Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Man in the Post Extra Time. Uh, my name is Chris and with me back this week i got Shirkers Emma. Hi. And i got Mark. Hello. Um, we will be talking about West Ham versus Hull as well as the Champions League this week. A good week in the Champions League that came back and this week's Premier League predictions. So chronologically, I suppose, uh, we'll start with Hull-West Ham. It was 2-2. There's a pretty good goal in this one, wasn't there, Emma? Yeah, there was a stunning goal in this one. It was um, it was a funny game. They sort of just, in my opinion, just sort of cancelled each other out. Well, they did in the score sheet, but performance-wise as well, neither looked like they were going to go and win it at any point. So I think a draw is quite a fair result. Diarmi and Hernandez scored. They're both new signings, aren't they, for West Ham? How did all uh, for Hull? How did all the signings get on? They were good. Both teams looked strong. Obviously, the you know the, the um for them both to be new signings, the business they did in the summer was obviously. Alex Song was there, wasn't he? Title. Yeah, he did play. I don't really, I didn't particularly notice him that much, but maybe the player like that. If you don't notice them, you know they're doing a good job. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. Is you don't really want to be noticing them, do you? No. You don't want to have all focus on them. No, not in your sort of defensive midfielder or something. You don't really want to see him, do you? Uh, Steve Bruce has been linked with a Newcastle job this week. Uh, Alan Pardew has admitted to having talks with Mike Ashley, but Bruce has dismissed the link as a bit disrespectful to Pardew. He's got a point, really, hasn't he? Pardew's still employed, isn't he? Pardew, how long has he got left? Because he was given that eight-year contract, wasn't he? He was. How long ago was that? That was about two years ago, wasn't it? That was after they nearly got in the Champions League, which I think was a couple of seasons ago. So maybe he's got about six years left. It's, a, it's at least five. Yeah. But then you would imagine with a contract like that, although he's got a whole lot of time on it, it might not be on a great salary. I think there was a payout option, wasn't there? I think they only had to pay him out for like a year or something, no matter when he got sacked. I've heard rumours about that. You... Otherwise, I don't think they will be. It doesn't, I think... Mike Ashley runs it as a business, doesn't it? And it doesn't make good business sense to pay someone off on a five-year contract at the end of the day. No, it kind of makes you think, why hasn't he done it already? Yeah. He's, he's also got a manager in Pardew that's going to work pretty much to the strong, uh, the strict um, boundaries he puts on how much he's allowed to spend and how much he's got to, to sell. And and he never, he's never going to rock the boat too much, apart from you know, what he gets up to on the touchline and that kind of stuff. But... He's never going to rock the boat in the boardroom and say, I demand this, I demand that. So actually, it, as long as Newcastle stay up every year, which, you know, you still think they will do, even though they've had a poor start, he's, he's the perfect manager to fit Ashley's football business model, you know? He's a chairman's dream. He is a chairman's yeah. dream, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, moving on from that towards the Champions League this week. Now, Tuesday, who would have thought that on Tuesday at about quarter to ten at night, who would have thought that Liverpool would have had the best week of all the English clubs? <laughs> um, I watched that kind of behind the sofa as if you would watch Doctor Who. It was awful to watch as a, as a fan. It's, it was reminiscent of many home Liverpool games, both in Europe over the last 15 years and also in the Premier League. The smaller teams that you kind of expect them to beat, that they always struggle to break down. But I, did, I never saw it, but according to a few sources, and I, and I heard a bit of comp, not commentary, um, post-match analysis by Jamie Carragher, it sounded like Liverpool were very mediocre. Um, whether they just aren't playing well at the minute in this first part of the season, or whether just Ludogorets kind of brought them down to their level a bit more, and Liverpool are still kind of missing that um, X factor that Suarez brings them to, to change games and stuff. I don't know, but I think they did. they got the win. They got the win one way or another, and that's the that's the main thing. They got a, they, they got the, with, a, with a group with Real Madrid in and Basel who can who can. You know, they caused Chelsea problems last year, for example, even though they got slaughtered by Real Madrid. Liverpool need to win their home games just to make sure they do get the points they should get to get through. So I'm sure they won't be too bothered that they didn't play that well if they didn't. No, a win's a win and all that, I suppose. It seemed really flat. The atmosphere at the ground didn't seem like a typical Liverpool European night. And and I think that sort of transposed itself onto the pitch. And to be fair to, um, how do you say, is it Ludogorets, is it? Uh, yeah, Ludogorets. Ludogorets. Yeah. To be fair to them, they came and had a go. They didn't stick ten men behind the board. When I mean, they hit the post before Liverpool scored their first goal, they certainly mm-hmm. came and had a go. And um, you couldn't help but feel a little bit sorry for them. Yeah, and the defeat was completely self-inflicted. I did see actually today what I've not seen any football really over the last week or so because I've been away from home. But um, I did see the the mistake that led to the penalty that led to Liverpool's winner. And you know, it was totally self-inflicted after the. You know they've done so well to, you know, not get hammered off a team who's supposed to be superior, and uh, also to, to open Liverpool up in the last minute what? to, you know, to possibly get the draw. You both think it was a penalty? Um, I don't know. I think it's. I think it was quite. A, it was. He, he went down like he got clattered, but I think he might have only just got the the minimum of touches, just from what I could see. But again, it's one of these things where. Not only did they make their mistake in the first place, but the goalie shouldn't really have done come out and tried to tackle him there either. No. It's not that he, like he was never going to score from there. No. Did you see it, Emma? Do you think it was a penalty? I didn't see it, I'll be honest. No? OK. Well, is that, I, think, I think it was. I think, like you say, he made the most of it, but the keeper put himself in that position and gave the referee decision to make, didn't he? Very similar to when Guzan brought Suarez down in that Liverpool-Villa game, um, sort of the middle of last season. Yes. It was a similar thing, you know. You kind of think, well, the goalie shouldn't have put himself in that position, knowing that any attacker, doesn't matter if it's a well-known diver or not, most attackers are going to go down with the slightest connection to make it look like a penalty. So. Yeah, I think Liverpool definitely missed something. I think they definitely missed storage up top. Um, someone with that bit of zip and pizzazz or something to have just done something special. Balotelli played all right, I think, but... I think Sturridge was... Uh, it, it, the thing about Balotelli is his price tags, his, his transfer fees have gone down over his career, mm-hmm. which you don't really want as a young footballer. And you can kind of... That kind of played its way out on Tuesday. You can see why the price tags have gone down a little bit. It's as much for what he does on the field as off it. Um, Arsenal also lost as well, didn't they? They lost 2-0 to Borussia Dortmund. 
Dortmund did play well, but I think Arsenal didn't really do themselves any favours at all. It was the 45th and 48th minute that they conceded. The time, the two times you really don't want to concede. Um, Dortmund were well on top in this one. Anybody see this one? Um, I didn't see a single. I haven't seen a single scrap of the game. Um, but it was interesting to see that getting Everton a two up. Um, it's, <laughs> sorry, I'm watching. I'm watching the Everton game as as we're doing the podcast here, and Seamus Coleman just Shane, my best mate Seamus Coleman just uh, put them two up. Um, I'm sure Diego Costa is at home clapping his hands. <laughs> um, but it was interesting to read the the player ratings by the built um, newspaper in Germany after the game, and the, a lot of the Arsenal scores were out of they do them out of six, I think. Um, in in a descending order, and uh, a lot of the Arsenal players, particularly Özil, got Özil got absolutely panned by Build, so they must have played pretty badly. Yeah, but he didn't have a great game, did he? Which is, I mean, for how well they played on Saturday, from being a goal down against Man City to actually taking the lead, and the manner in which they scored their goals, the, first, the Wilshire goal particularly, was a bit surprising. They were quite lacklustre on Tuesday. Maybe they were knackered from Man City. Mm. I mean, Aguero and Everybody can't be that. Yeah, it must be quite tiring to mark all them. Personally, I'm not. Sorry, Emma, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think they'll be too worried. I think that is their hardest game of the group. And I think 2 0 isn't. You know, they weren't compared to some results this week. It really wasn't too bad. So I think they'll just sort of put it down and pick themselves up and carry on. I wouldn't have thought they would have been too worried about it. No, I think, I think you're right. I think. It's one you kind of expect to get nothing. Not expect, but you kind of... It's one of the fixtures where you look at it and think that's a tough one. But you, there's still one of the 15 points you think you could get. I'm still not convinced Arsenal are defensively sound. Yeah. No, well, that was um, shown on match of the day, wasn't it? you got the centre-backs, but then the full-backs just push on so much, don't they? Mm, you know, I, I, think, I think that's still their, their weakness, you know. And I don't think they addressed the... The problem in the summer particularly well. I know Chambers might have lots of potential, but yeah, they need they need somebody else, especially having got rid of Vermaelen. No, I think you're right. I mean, I, he's not a bad player, Vermaelen. He, he could do you a job. I mean, the, the, he was club captain while he was there, mm. but they did need somebody else, especially you're right after he'd gone. It's it's the same old Wenger thing, though, doesn't he? He always invests in potential rather than addressing the problem that's there and then. Callum Chambers mm. might be great in five years, but at the moment is not what they need. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea on Wednesday. Chelsea, they drew. Nobody, not many people saw that coming. 1-1 with Schalke, Fabregas and Huntler. Fabregas getting a bit of stick on Twitter for uh, proclaiming that he'll always be a goon. He, uh, he punched the Chelsea badge after he scored. Surely <laughs> um, they have a long list of footballers who kiss the badge and then clear off as soon as they can. Mourinho thinks that Costa might not be fit for the weekend, which obviously be a big blow to most people's fantasy teams. But I, you kind of think that they're going to go through. You can't see this being a massive problem for them. I have them down for getting winning all their games, Chelsea. I still can't see them losing any in this group. No, I don't think they'll be losing any, but I don't think they'll be taking any chances from now on. No. I mean, they're, they're a good team, Schalke, aren't they? I mean, Draxler had some great touches. Um, and Huntler's goal was a great goal. They, they Chelsea lost possession, which is unusual, and um, Schalke capitalised on that. They're not mugs, Schalke, are they? But you kind of expect you would beat them. 
Yeah, but you, as you said, Chelsea will be fine. They'll, they'll get more than enough points to get out of this group. No, oh, definitely. Uh, last night also was Bayern Munich 1 Man City 0. Now, in between watching the Bake Off, which me and Mark did, we, uh, I also watched this game as well. From what I saw, Bayern Munich were probably the best team, but you, you wouldn't have been surprised if City got away from this with a point. Um, Joe Hart was probably their best player, to be fair. But Man City did have a little bit going forward. Aguero missed when he came on. I mean, you could see the strength of both teams' squads when Bayern's substitute was Iron Robin and uh, City's was Sergio Aguero. But has anybody seen the goals from this? Or the goal? Uh, yeah, I got I got the second half and I, I flicked over a couple of times when you know during the, during the first half too. And as you as you say, Bayern. If any team was going to win the game, it was Bayern. And it was always going to be by the odd goal. I think I think they had a lot a lot of um, long range shots, which tells you that City did defend pretty well, and they'll be, they'll be gutted that a the goal was deflected anyway, um, and it came so late in the game. But Bayern probably did enough they were, to win, and they were probably the only team really pushing for the win out of them too. Yeah, they probably were. To be fair, I mean, I think it was kind of going wide, wasn't it? The shot until it went off mm. Gertz's back, so it's a little bit unlucky. It's, it was. I wasn't that impressed with Bayern Munich, though. No, I wasn't either. To be honest with you, maybe they're a team that's you know that's reached their peak. Yeah. No, I I know exactly what you mean. You you kind of um, think a team like that could. You would have thought they'd have got a couple more. I mean, they they added a little bit of something when Robin came on. He had that penalty shout, didn't he? When he came on, he he gave them a bit more of um, a bit more directness. But until then, they were were quite flat. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Lewandowski did an awful lot, did you? No, and I, I I rate him as a really top striker, and he he just didn't seem to to do anything last night. But everybody can have an off game. Yeah, yeah, no, they they can. But um, did you see Yaya Torre and Pep shaking hands at the end? No. Uh, they, they cut across to the touchline, and obviously Torre and Pep having some kind of Barcelona reunion at the side there. Then they were pretty much shaking hands, laughing and joking. If I'd been a Man City fan watching that, wouldn't have been very impressed. Hmm, I suppose not. And it was at least it was nice to see Boateng celebrate the goal yeah. um, against his former club because I really can't stand it when players don't celebrate against the former teams if they score a goal. You know, they, you don't play for them anymore. Celebrate the goal you've scored for your current employers. Do you reckon that's the same for everyone? What if Frank Lampard scored against Chelsea having been there for 12, 13 years? Well, so what? He's a Manchester City player? Yeah. You don't think he's allowed a little bit of sentiment? Well, just you know, you don't have to celebrate by doing an Adebayor and running the full length of the field and <laughs> doing a knee slide in front of the the opposition fans. You know, you can you can punch the air or go, you know, shout get in or whatever it is. You don't have to go over the top, but don't do this whole hold your hands up or apologising to the to the crowd or whatever. I mean, that's nonsense. So, I hate to see that. Do you? Yeah, I do. I don't mind it if if they've been playing there for some time. I mean, Duncan Ferguson has scored against you lot and didn't celebrate. You could understand it, couldn't you? I could understand it. I know why they do it, but I don't like it. If he'd scored for Newcastle when he played there against Everton, then I'd expect him to celebrate with his teammates or in front of the Newcastle fans. That's fair enough. A big, I've got no problem with that. And he's sliding in front of the Gladys Street. Well, he put himself out for three months if he did that, Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Amy? You've had a fair few plays at your club. What if they celebrated back at your place? Uh, I think that's... 
long gone at Portsmouth. <laughs> I don't think anyone cares anymore either way. I don't think anyone remembers half the players that have even played for us in the last few years anymore. So no, I wouldn't expect them not to celebrate. I think they just they just celebrated when they got out of there, didn't they? I think so, yeah. <laughs> A knee, a knee slide on the on the way out of Portsmouth. Tal Ben Haimi knee slid all the way down the uh, the A3. Oh, if you line it with fifty pound notes, I'm sure he would. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Priskin was on telly the other day. You remember him? He, 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 Name, he, yeah. he played for you, didn't he? I don't know. I think it's before my time. Oh come on! I was about two thousand and two. That's not that's not before only, your time, is it? I was only nine. Yeah. Oh come on! This is where we this is where we feel old talking to you. Isn't it? <laughs> Emma, seem, yeah, Emma, you seem to get younger every week. <laughs> I, was, I was nine. You were nine. Yeah. God. So, you, what was your first Portsmouth game? You remember then? What year do you think it would have been? I was older when I went to Portsmouth because my um, my dad really didn't like football for a long time. And it wasn't until I was about 16 that I sort of went with some friends. So that would have been... 2005. You would have been a Premier League team, wouldn't you? Yeah, we were in the Premier League. It was it was a nil-nil against Liverpool. It was the first game I went to. That sounds about right. At Fratton Park. God, this is all. My first ever game I remember watching was the 84 Cup Final. No, 85 Cup Final. Norman Whiteside scoring the winner. Sorry, Mark. Well, you could have just left out at 84. We won that yeah, one. Yeah, no, I don't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Kevin Moran getting sent off and Norman Whiteside scoring the winner. That's right, yeah, I was there. How yeah, was you? Yeah, it's my first ever game I remember going to. I was about four years old and Everton beat Southampton in an FA Cup replay. I was about four. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I've been looking at your picture on Skype and trying to imagine you four. Uh, well, I had hair <laughs> on for one body. thing, which I don't have now. <laughs> Fair enough. Um... There's some interesting results in the Champions League this week, there wasn't there? I mean, Barcelona only beat uh, Apoel 1-0. Um, There's some tight games, weren't there? Paris Saint-Germain drew one with Ajax. Uh, the Ajax fans said that the only Paris they like is the one that makes sex tapes. That's their big banner. Yeah, saw so banner. <laughs> uh, Maribor drew with Sporting as well, didn't they? And uh, Atletico Madrid lost to Olympiacos. Metroglou scored. He scored the same night that Fulham lost 5-3 to Forest. So that was a double joy for him. So we talk about English clubs not doing so great in the Champions League this week. There's been a few teams that haven't really quite cut the mustard, has there? But it goes back, Chris, remember to the back to the days before the Champions League where you did have teams from some of the stranger outposts of European football who had cracking sides. And I don't just mean like... Czech teams and Yugoslav teams, but some of the, you know, Bulgaria and even more, back, well, back then they were more exotic type places where, you know, the likes of Liverpool or, or Manchester United or, or whoever it would have been the champions or in the UEFA Cup as it was then when the UEFA Cup was really strong would go and, and it wouldn't be a shock to get knocked out at the likes of, you know, Dynamo Bucharest and, and teams like that. And I think that's part of Platini's plan, isn't it? Is to take away the dominance of just and just basically have the top four teams from. Um, the six or seven strongest European teams perpetually in the Champions League, mm. and he's trying to to make it so you do get Ludogorets and Maribor and um, uh, Batty Borisov and all these teams coming in and and diluting the money and and oh sorry dispersing the money more evenly around some of the 
other European countries and increasing the strength of European football as a whole. And although it makes it harder for some of our teams to, to, to get into the Champions League or or whatever, um, I think it's nice to see these new newer clubs get or old clubs getting into the Champions League. And, you know, if that's only fair, you know, that the champions of a country like Sweden or, um, you know, Poland or somewhere like that, they they should be getting into the Champions League automatically or only have to qualify, get through one qualifying round. Whereas Arsenal only, you know, the fourth best team in England probably get like a penalty kick in the qualifying round just to, to, to get straight in. It's, see, I don't, I don't agree with that. No, I think you're entirely right. I mean, of course, Ludogrets. Platini's not just he's not just full of hot air, but he's he's had a few good ideas, and I think I think to try and to to broaden the scope of the Champions League, I think is one of his better ideas. No, I think you're entirely right. Of course, Ludogrets have won as many Champions Leagues as Arsenal have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although Nikolai Ceausescu being your um, or his son being your benefactor may have helped Bucharest in the eighties. That's one thing you have to also think about. <laughs> um, anybody see Real Madrid? Barcelona, 5-1. A rather lovely Gareth Bale lob. The pass from Modric was probably equally as good, but the, the pass comes cross-field across to Bale at the left-hand edge of the penalty area, lobs it straight over I think, the keeper and the defender, and uh, just chips it into the empty net. It then closed up on Bale to see who's wearing an Alice band. That's where the, the sort of fun... Stops with that one. Uh, Porto won six 0 didn't they? And Roma won five one against CSKA Moscow. Yeah. Uh, has anybody seen the AC Milan goal from the other day, Jimenez? Uh, no. It was. If you get a chance to look this one up on YouTube, it's absolutely fantastic. The game ended five four in the end. I can't remember who they were playing, um, but the game ended at five four in the end. Uh, obviously nine goals, two red cards, but it's memorable for this goal. If you ever get a chance to see it, they. It's Jimenez, I think it was. He takes the ball to the edge of the um, the byline by the the, the goal line, uh, kicks the ball past the keeper, and then runs off the pitch around the other way, runs back onto the pitch. By which time the goalkeeper and two defenders are on the goal line. Um, he's now got his back to the keeper at this point and back to the goal. So instead of turning around and shooting into the net, he back heels it into the roof of the net. If you get a chance to have a look at it, it's absolutely fantastic. It's quite possibly the best goal you'll see this season. It was only September. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has left Cardiff. Uh, the writing was probably on the wall with this one. He's not, he doesn't seem to have done very well, does he, since he got there? No, not at all. No. I feel a little sorry for him because he's obviously quite a nice guy and he did he did a good job with Molden. And it obviously shows what a big step up it is into moving from sort of Norwegian football into uh, somewhere like the Premier League and the Championship. But you can tell he's an intelligent guy and he's got lots of good ideas, but maybe was Cardiff the right place to come? No, I don't think anybody thought that for a second that they, um, for, you know, forgetting the the foibles of the chairman for a second. Um, you know, a Premier League, a newly promoted Premier League club, um, had just gone through this whole thing with Vince, uh, with Marky Mackay, the whole Marky Mackay saga that went on for ages. We're always favourites for relegation. Got relegated, and it's it happens lots and lots of times where a relegated Premier League team, the Sort of are the bookie favourites come straight back up, but they start the following season terrible, you know, awfully. Fulham have done it as well. Bolton did it a few years ago. Blackpool, Blackpool have done it. Blackpool, you know, probably the majority of 
teams that go down from the Premier League struggle the next season. Um, so he was probably always onto a on a losing wicket there. It's an odd thing. So it was always a shock. If you consider the parachute payments, it is an odd thing that they do struggle. It is, but I think a lot of the time the players who who have shone in in teams like that, whether it's even if it's only for one season, especially the ones who who've come up when when that team have been promoted, they seem to get the taste for the Premier League, and of course they become more attractive if it's a hard half decent season, and then another half decent Premier League team will offer a decent sized transfer and decent sized wages, and then that team weakens, and then because they drop down again, it's difficult for that team to to rebuild the strength that they had to get them up in the first place, mm. you know? Of course, you'll be an expert in this, Evan, wouldn't you, with um, with Portsmouth? I mean, when you got relegated, obviously you had massive financial issues, but was there ever a hope that you'd come straight back up, or did you just think, this is we've got no money, we're just heading down and down? I think I think Pompey were a bit of an exception to the rule, aren't they? I think as soon as they went down, we knew there was no way we were going back up for a long time. And it was just sort of a case of how far we'd fall before it would stop. Hmm. But you look at Portsmouth, then you get teams like Coventry and Southampton, Leicester. They I mean they end up going down to League One before they come back up again. And Coventry's still there, of course, but it's not a guaranteed thing at all. And maybe would he have been best? You think if he'd either gone to a mid-table Premier League team, maybe if he'd gone to Stoke or somewhere, because he was offered the Villa job, wasn't he, before, and he turned it down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know Villa don't aren't exactly in the best of shape, but that was a it would have been a much more attractive proposition, and he would have probably give, been given a bit more, a bit more time to work with you know, the younger players and the a more understanding chairman mm. um, than he ever would have been at Cardiff. I think everybody knew that that it wasn't going to end well for Solskjaer there, which is a shame because he seems like a nice guy. You're right, and he you know he's an excellent player at Manchester United, and you kind of wanted it to turn out well for him because he is a nice. He seems like a nice guy. But it did seem like a, a strange move by him uh, to go there in particular. Yeah. Uh, Paul Hartley of Dundee and Craig Bellamy have both said no to the job. Craig Bellamy would be good, wouldn't he? Imagine him as a manager. Especially at Cardiff. Yeah. And they're, 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 they're his hometown club, aren't they? Mm. He's just a crackerjack, though, isn't he? He is. I do quite like him. Don't you like him? I think there's a big myth. He's not. I don't think he's thick by any means. Have you ever seen him be interviewed after a game? He did. He's... I wouldn't say he's eloquent, but he um, he has a, he has a, he carries himself well with uh, with speaking. Perhaps he's just a little bit too sharp and a little bit too um, uh, what's the word? Strictly and a, and a little bit pity for his own good. Perhaps I think uh, I know from his time up at Newcastle, he rubbed a lot of his teammates up the wrong way. You know, I think he was going to have a Barney Bashira. I know that um, yeah, I think he had a big falling out with Gary Speed as well when they were there. So. I think if you if you rile somebody who was seemingly good natured like Gary Speed, then I don't know how you would get on with a bunch of players mm. as their manager. I think it's something that people like Roy Keane have learnt the hard way as well. You've got to have a completely different mindset as managing, haven't you? Mm-hmm. It's not all about you. Mm. Right, we're going to this week's Premier League predictions. Right, we've all we do is we go through each of the. Um, forthcoming weekend's fixtures and we predict a win, lose or a draw for a particular team and however well we do we get a correct point so the last few weeks have been a little odd because Emma and Mark haven't always been here so Colin did the predictions last week and so far this season Mark and Emma have got 7 points and I've got 8 Colin predicted some odd ones for you last week he predicted a, um, a draw for Manchester United QPR 
So. Nice work, Colin. Nice work. <laughs> so you've got him to blame. Yeah. So okay, first game. Actually, keep your eye on the first game this 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 week. They're the early kickoff against Stoke. They're at home. How do you think they're going to do, guys? I thought Stoke had started quite well, but they're only a point and two places above QPR. Mm, um, I think it'll be one 0 to Stoke. Do you think? Not not a great game, but I think Stoke might just be a little bit too good. What about you, Emma? Um, yeah, I don't. I can't yeah. see QPR. Oh, I'm gonna go for a draw. Right, I'm going to be the optimist and I'm going to go for QPR. I don't know why. But Sorry guys, I'm, I was just getting distracted there. Everton have gone 3-0 up with a penalty that was about a foot outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> Who scored? Well, Baines, is, he takes the penalty. Oh, does he? Right. So who they playing? It's Wolfsburg, isn't it? Yeah. Anybody recognising Wolfsburg? Gustavo, who plays in the centre midfield for Brazil. Benaglio, the goalkeeper. Olic from Croatia. So they're no mugs then, are they? Bentner's on the bench. Bentner? Yeah. There you go, they're a good team. De Bruyne, De Bruyne from Eastfield Chelsea, he plays for them. So they're no mugs, are they? Yeah, so that's 3-0. Oh, anyway, back to predictions. Yeah, Sorry. you predicted a QPR with them. Stoke. Damn. You were paying attention. Nice try. <laughs> you were paying attention. Uh, yeah, I think QPR, QPR can get much worse than what they were against Man United. So hopefully there'll be some kind of reaction to that. Three o'clock kickoffs is Aston Villa, who are in second place at home to seventh place Arsenal. There are a whole four points ahead of Arsenal, Aston Villa are. Yeah, it's been a surprisingly good start, isn't it? Mm. Anybody uh, going to stick their neck out and say Villa? I think there might be a reaction from Arsenal. If they were as poor as what it sounds like they were against Dortmund, you know, they're probably going to book their ideas off of it so I think I'll go for Arsenal in this one you go for Arsenal yeah. okay and what are you going to do yeah I have to agree with Arsenal no. you're going to go for Arsenal yeah based on oh, I agree I think they'll be I don't think he'll he often comes back and sort of sits back and loses in the Premier League as well mm. I think they'll want to do something about it I'm going to go for Aston Villa no I don't know I'm going to go for a draw actually I think Arsenal are going to have some kind of hangover from the Champions League. Uh, Burnley, Sunderland. I quite fancy Burnley for this one. I'm going to go Sunderland. Are you? Do you know what? I think I might go for Burnley as well. Yeah, I don't know. don't know why. don't know why. I just think they, 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 they... You know, the promoted teams generally win a couple of home games early on. I think... Burnley, I think they've had a couple of tough ones, haven't they? Yeah, they've had Chelsea and United already, haven't they? Yeah, so I think I think they might I think they might win this one. Sunderland are no great shakes. Why have you gone for Sunderland, Emma? I don't think that they're, that they're that bad. I think they've got what it takes to beat Burnley. I find it really hard to predict Sunderland because you you can't. Yeah, I know they're either awful or they they play really well. They're mm. never anywhere in between. There's no consistency to them at all. They're a yep. terrible team to predict. Uh, Newcastle Hall. This is um, Alan Pardew meeting David Mailer again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for... Well, there's gonna be, the reckon there's going to be protests this week, isn't there? An anti-Pardew protest. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a there was a protest at the Southampton game, and the the assistant manager John Carver, who is probably an even bigger. Uh, oh, I was going to say a word that I probably shouldn't say on the podcast, but cool. he's probably even handier with his mouth than Alan Pardew is, and he abused the fan, and he's had to apologise today. Um, he's a he's a bit of a piece of work. Is he? Um, yeah. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if if Hull did pull it out and and Pardew still stayed. You know. Yeah. Sounds. So I'm going to go for Hull. Sounds a boot polish and bed linen have gone out the window this week. Mm. <laughs> What about you, Anna? Uh, yeah, I would think Hull. Yeah, I'm going to go for Hull as well. From what I've seen of Newcastle and heard of Newcastle this season, they're not... I don't think they'll beat them. Do you think Newcastle fans are not so much a laughing stock, but they seem of an overreactive... I know I say this as a Liverpool fan, but they do seem an overreactive bunch, don't they? I think... Well, obviously I live I live in yeah. Newcastle and... and what, you know, for a long time, when, when they were doing the whole Moneyball thing, where they were buying cheap French players, and they were, t- you know, they got they had that good season where, you know, they got fifth or sixth in the end, um, and they kind of accepted that they were going to get these players in, sell them for a profit, and then try to do the same thing over and over again. Now that's kind of fallen flat a bit, and and the performances on the pitch are not matching what they did that season, and they're not seeing a they're seeing that that's the only ambition of Mike Ashley and the board of directors is to just kind of make money. It's got nothing to do with trying to be either attractive on the field or the ambitious and trying to win something. They're kind of now getting sick of that. They want to, which is fine, you know, fair enough. There's, there's no point turning up just to to improve the profit and loss of Mike Ashley. Um, that they've had enough of this because it's been going on for two or three years and they, it's, it looks like that's what's going to be the case as long as Mike Ashley's going to be the owner of Newcastle. And I can understand why they don't want that. Would you both say Newcastle are a big club? Yeah, yeah, they're a big club. They're not as big as they like to think they are, but they're a big club. But they've, they haven't won anything in 1969. They have a, they sell out every week, of course they do, but if they do... It, but, but would you call Wolves a, a big club? Or Everton a big club. Um, of course, of course, they're big clubs. They're big clubs in many different senses. Are they one of the mega clubs of the Premier League and Champions League and Sky Sports era, like the Chelsea's and the Manchester United's? No, of course not. But Newcastle United traditionally are as big, if not bigger, than somebody like Chelsea. But yeah, they are. It's how you define big. I know because as you were saying that, I was thinking about Forest and Villa, who have both won European Cups, and I think because of that, and then. Yeah, you can say that they're both big clubs as well. Forest obviously aren't in the same league at the moment, but because they've won the European Cup, I'd say they are a big club. Yeah, Aston Villa have won more league championships than Chelsea. Does that make them not a big club? Yeah. Or does it make Chelsea a small club based on what they do now? You know, so there's lots of definitions of what a big club is. I suppose so. I suppose you're right. What about you, Emma? What do you think? I think Mark hit it on the head when he said they are a big club, but not as big as they think they are. Yeah. I think you're probably right with that one, Mark. Okay. Uh, Swansea versus Southampton. This is a game that's got hipsters written all over it, isn't it? <laughs> Could be for all this one. Southampton have been excellent, haven't they? Everyone thought they were going to go down. Yeah. Uh, same right. with Swansea, actually. You could probably say the same about them. This is 3rd v 4th, isn't it? Yeah. Could be one of the best games of the weekend. Yeah, I think you could be right. I'm going to go for a draw, I think. Same here. Swansea draw. An entertaining role. Yeah. What do you think, Emma? I'm 
Oh, I don't know. I think, don't get me wrong, from what I've heard from Saints fans, they did, they played really, really well at, against Newcastle, but it did help that Newcastle were really poor. A fir- um, a 33 pass move for their final goal. I heard it was 41. 41 then. Still, 33 or 41 is not bad, is it? Not bad at all. I think I'm going to go for Saints. I can hear the venom coming from you there. Three gritty teeth. I might regret it already. The <laughs> <laughs> gritty teeth that came up. It's really hard because they don't often let you down, Saints. No. Yeah, each point they give you must be some kind of knife in the back. Bittersweet. <laughs> West Ham and Liverpool. Now, Colin and Joe both think Liverpool are going to win the league. In fact, Colin convinced me to actually back Liverpool to beat Villa last week, <laughs> which is never happening again. Um, I think West Ham's a tough place to go. Do you really? Because I think that could have been said some time ago. I'm not convinced it's a tough place to go anymore. Yeah, but it's Liverpool. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think Liverpool played well against Spurs. They've played well in parts against Manchester City. They've been a bit hitty-missy in the, the other game or two that I've seen. Um, but I still think they'll be too good for West Ham. No, I think they're very much missing storage, aren't they? Uh, yeah, but they've still got enough movement in, in the side. And Lallana is back now. It, he's, you know, he's fit now. He'll provide a lot of movements. Sterling does, of course. Well, he dropped, um, he dropped Sterling at the weekend, didn't he? Well, he didn't drop him. I think he rested him with the Champions League in mind. Yeah. Well, now they've got that game out of the way, I think knowing that after they got beat by Villa, I think he's not gonna he's not gonna take any risks. He knows he's got to got to get a win and get them back. And, you know, kickstart them again. So mm. Do you I think we'll put that the best team they've got, and I think they'll win. Oh. Two nil. Like Two nil. Okay, I'm gonna go for a draw. What are you gonna go for, Emma? I'm going to go for a Liverpool win. Oh, yeah. I'd like your optimism, both of you. Uh, Leicester-Manchester United. I think this could be quite tough for United. I was, we were talking earlier on, weren't we, Mark, before we came on about um, Stephen Naismith and the Champions League. Uh, and, not Champions League, Stephen Naismith and fantasy teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of thinking a lower as well for Leicester. He's done very well since he's got there. Mm. Obviously, they played pretty well against Chelsea for a while. They got a draw against Everton on the opening day, and you know they, they looked like a half decent team that you know got the potential to keep away from the relegation zone. Not not saying they will, but they looked half decent. They won last week. Um, they won last week, and you know United. Okay, they whooped QPR, but they're still very unbalanced. And if they come up against a team who is a half decent team, I think they can still be exposed. Mm. Um, but whether that tempts me enough to go for a draw, I don't know. I think I might go for United. You go for Man United. What game to do, Emma? Just, just. Yeah, I agree. I think United. Yeah, me too. Boringly enough. Tottenham West Brom. Spurs. Sorry. Spurs. That's it. Tottenham. Oh, I thought you were cheering again. I thought Everton was <laughs> <laughs> It won't be long. <laughs> Uh, I think this is a gimme for Spurs. God, if they don't win this, then there's something wrong with them. Yeah. What about you, Emma? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Four o'clock game Sunday, Everton Crystal Palace. Um, 
it'll be a, it'll be a good test to see how Everton are going to cope with this, you know, the, the Thursday Sunday in Europa League because they've got their best team out tonight. Yeah. Um, but no doubt they will make some changes. But the good thing about Everton now is they've got some good options on the bench. You know, if they, if they want to leave the Falco out, they've got Samuelato. If they want to leave Morales out, they've got Atsu. If they want to leave Barry out, they've got somebody else. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think even though we might make three or four changes, which can unsettle the team, a team that's fairly settled anyway. So he's playing at the moment. Is Lukaku on the pitch at the minute? He is, yeah. yeah. Okay. About an hour gone. So did he um, start or is he coming as a sub? No, he's starting. But I think I think Everton will win. I, I don't know if Palace has started that great. At the, at, you know, certainly not playing anywhere like as well they did at the back end of last season. So no. I still think we'll probably just have that have enough. But they're fourth bottom on two points at the minute. Yeah, I think we might might win like two more. Like yeah. Glenn, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think they're not a good win there. Me too. Right, and the final game of the weekend is the biggie. It's Manchester City at home to Chelsea. Hmm. Last season, Chelsea won this last season, didn't they? Chelsea got the uncanny knack last season of beating good teams away, didn't they? They um, they beat Liverpool away, didn't they? That's when Gerrard had his moment. Um, yeah. And they beat Man City as well, didn't they? I, think, I don't think there's that much love lost between Pellegrini and um, Mourinho either. Mm. Yeah, they did a really good tactical job on them last last time they played at Man City, and they played really. They didn't just do the tactical job; they actually played really, really well in that game. Yeah, they did. I remember that game as well. You just for all the throughout the whole game, they just I just couldn't see any way that City were going to score. Cahill and Terry were brilliant at the back. Mm. Um, I think I'll go for Chelsea. You're going to get for Chelsea? I can't think. Courtois. I mean, they're top of the league at the moment, four wins and everything, but. Courtois not had many clean sheets, has he? I think Leicester's is only clean sheet. Mm. And City got the five pounds to break them down. They have, they have. Um, I don't know. I, I, for all the reasons you said at the start about Chelsea being able to pull it out the bag against the big teams, maybe they, they're going to do the same thing this year. So I think I'll go. I, I think my, Chelsea might just nick it again for that reason. Yeah, I think you're right. Sadly. What about you? What do you reckon? I'll be different and go for a City win. Mm, well done. Why that? Why do you think? Um, because I think, the, I think they're quite evenly matched teams. I don't think one is particularly that much better than the other. Mm. And I think after being beaten last season, it might put a bit of firepower in. Do either of you think that City have played at 100% yet? I, I think they've got... I don't think they've played anywhere near their potential. And I don't think Chelsea will let them either. I, I agree with you. I think, and I think a lot of the leading teams haven't... None of them have played 100% yet. No. Liverpool haven't. Everton haven't, if, you, if you'll allow me to throw them into the mix. <laughs> Spurs haven't. Arsenal haven't. Um, Chelsea... As you said, they've they've let quite a few goals in, surprisingly, even though they've you know they've won four out of four. United have been up and down um, in the first few games, but there's no point peaking now, mm. you know, especially when a lot of them have got Champions League games. They've got a lot of players who haven't had a full pre-season because they came back late from the World Cup, um, all that scenario. So, yeah, City definitely haven't been as good as they normally are, but you'll probably see them 
in February start to move through the gears yeah. as the same as he will with all the other top sides. Well, Reno is worried about Costa's fitness, isn't he? Is he is that a make or break for Chelsea? Do you think with the replays? I think he had to be prepared for that when he bought Costa. I think he knew that that was it was going to happen at some point. So I don't think he can really, you know, further close that pram and and have a stop that he's injured because that unfortunately is the sort of player that he is. Yeah. Okay. And that's probably what persuaded them to go for Remy when you know don't think they were linked at any time with him until the very last minute when the transfer happened. Mm. That maybe they thought, well, you know, Costa could play once once a week at the moment. You know, maybe maybe it'll be different coming, you know, later on in the season. Mm. But for what was it, eight million pounds or something? That Remy cost? I think it was ten, wasn't it? Um, was it ten? Yeah, something Still, like that. You you fancy Remy to get to, to be able to, to be a better deputy and score goals than Torres who looked like the last few years he was running with his shoes tied together. Yeah. And you got Drogba as well. Yeah, so I, I, I think as, as you know, as we were saying that, I think they were prepared for it. Okay. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of our predictions. We'll see how we get on uh, next week when we tot all these up again. Anyone got anything else they want to mention or cover? No. 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 Okay. Well, just a reminder: you can uh, catch Ross and Colin and Adam. Uh, Tom and Greg on Sunday night when they do their podcast that'll be out for download on Monday morning this should be out for download as soon as possible as well you can listen on SoundCloud and you can listen on iTunes or you can download via the website you can follow us on Twitter at Man on the Post you can follow Emma at Mwebs Mweb. and Mark at the Football Pink is that right? that's the one okay well thank you ever so much guys for coming on Thank you. Thanks, Emma. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Uh, we'll be around again next week. And always remember to keep your man on the post.